Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown. Good morning, Friday morning breakers. Do we have a show for you to kick off your weekend? It's the show that completes the trilogy of my P for C series. Yes, it is the return of the philosophers. I'm Dorian Brown. It's Friday the 15th of October and we are live on Teachers Talk Radio. Today, my guests and I will be zooming in and zooming out on that pedagogy that is philosophy for children. Tune in, talk it out. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good morning, one and all, and thank you very much for tuning into the show today. As mentioned in the intro, this is my third show, where we'll be looking at the pedagogy that is philosophy for children. Now, I've previously spoken to P4C advocates Mr. Damien Walsh and Mr. Andrew Rogers, who both, in their own way, presented compelling evidence as to the need for and value of guiding students to to think more critically and to think more about their thinking. Um, And I'm absolutely honoured today to be joined by two absolute heavyweights of the P4C arena. We'll be discussing how you can get started with P4C, but also looking at the bigger picture uh, and looking at the value of philosophical thought in education in general. So let me introduce my guests. They are Mr. Nick Chandley, who's a former teacher himself and now an intrepid trainer and facilitator of philosophy for children, and has also edited a number of P4C guides and handbooks. Joining Nick is Mr. Roger Sutcliffe, who is one of the world's leading authorities on P4C and philosophical education. He was a founder and president of Sapere, uh, the charity which promotes P4C, and in fact trained himself underneath Professor Littman, who was the original founder of the P4C movement itself. Amazing. I, I really can't wait to get into this one, and if anything, from the previous two shows, they've made me really think hard and reflect upon a number of issues to do with my own educational philosophy and also pedagogy, and I know this show will actually make me continue to think hard. Uh, so we're going to go to an ad break to get us going, and then we'll get stuck in on our return. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, 
challenge and empower your team through the MAL CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All MAL CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. And Roger and Nick join me in the studio now. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you very much for coming on the show today. It's a pleasure, pleasure. to be with you. Yes, Brilliant. very much so. Very much looking forward to this show. We've heard a lot already in the last previous two shows about uh, the, the power of P4C and the importance of, of embedding it in our curricula and, and, and accessing and students accessing P4C uh, as soon as possible, really. And it's really a fantastic opportunity to be able to discuss this further with you um, and get an idea, really, or a sense of perhaps where uh, P4C and certainly Dialogue Works uh, have come from and what they're actually doing in the future. Um, so just like every other show, really, if it's possible to, to, to start with, if I start with you, Roger, if you could just give us a brief uh, journey uh, of your, uh, sorry, a summary of your brief journey in education um, to today, perhaps. Okay. Well, I had a fairly orthodox uh, education myself. I went through university in England, uh, studied philosophy and modern languages. Uh, but uh, in those days, early 70s, uh, it was pretty much unheard of to be teaching philosophy in schools. Uh, so I started teaching as an English teacher and uh, then did a spell teaching mathematics. Uh, and actually was at a point in my career where I couldn't quite see myself teaching mathematics for the rest of my life. Uh, not that I undervalue it. Uh, it's becoming increasingly important, isn't it? Or at least basic lit uh, numeracy. But um, I, to be serious, I was uh, inclining to leave teaching altogether uh, when I saw a film that the BBC produced called Socrates for Six-Year-Olds. Uh, it's quite a well-known film, at least in the English-speaking world, and it was just mind-blowing, uh, the idea of teaching philosophy, not just in schools, but to six-year-olds. Uh, of course, as Andrew explained before and Damien, uh, we're not teaching philosophy as a subject so much as a, uh, a practice, really. Uh, but uh, uh, I went to America, um, trained in P4C, came back to the UK and tried it out and uh, pretty much since then I've been dedicated to advancing it uh, not just in the UK but wherever. Uh, that's wonderful and that's uh, and again similar to, to Andrew's journey as well uh, and a question I asked him would you say that your experiences in your in your subjects that you you both learned and taught um, prepared you um, more thoroughly for for going into a career in philosophy? Well, I think they did, uh, perhaps in two rather obvious ways. I mean, if you're an English teacher, you're very concerned with the meanings of words, the impact of words. Uh, philosophers are equally concerned, with slightly different emphases perhaps, but uh, making meaning is a core element of both English and philosophy. And then mathematics, well, obviously in mathematics, you, you learn formal reasoning to some extent, and uh, you certainly learn how to 
try and think things through and try different things. There are many skills in mathematics that are evident in philosophy uh, and uh, not surprisingly, some of the greatest philosophers have been mathematicians. Uh, so yes, there's a big overlap. Great, yeah. And it's interesting that you said that, that you're, um... Uh, that you even kind of considered leaving teaching as well um, because obviously that's a kind of a situation where many people are kind of faced with that kind of same sort of dilemma now and it's uh, it's it's nice to hear that you kind of are still working in the education field um, and I think it is good evidence to show that there are um, alternatives to remain within education you know even if the, the you know teaching isn't the thing um that uh, continues to drive you um so i'll come to you now nick if that's okay if you could give us a kind of you know same question to contestant number two please uh, uh could you give us a brief kind of uh, a bit of your background please today uh yeah the, 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 we we can make some connections with roger i'm sure we we will uh, but i i spent the first part of my working life uh, in business, so I, I I left education and went into <laughs> proper jobs, as <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody once said to me. Uh, but uh, I, I had a particular uh, kind of image of well, how I wanted to spend the rest of my life. At one point in my early thirties and decided that education was the way. Uh, and uh, so I, I, I became a teacher, primary school teacher. And uh, I had a great time, actually. I'd never done teaching before. I'd never considered it. And I was so pleased that I did. I spent quite a long time in a very tough school uh, where relationships were key. There is no way that you could ask these nine and 10 year old children that I was in charge of at nine o'clock in the morning to sit down and open the books and be ready. Because, you know, they may have had an argument on the way, they may have had no breakfast, they may have had all kinds of various issues. So there was no way that I could possibly begin to in inverted commas teach these children until they were ready to to learn feel good learn well i think is always a, a good adage and uh, so relationships were very important to me and i and i i cut my teeth in in this particular school uh, and i was introduced to philosophy for children whilst i was uh, with it within that school and immediately connected with it pretty much like you did Roger when you were about to leave education and you saw Socrates for six-year-olds I thought well this is not just the kind of person that I am or the kind of teacher that I am it actually made me realize that this was the kind of education that I wanted so it, it it went far beyond just something interesting to do with children. And I really liked the way that it valued children's ideas and used children's ideas and interests in a very Deweyan manner here uh, as, as the starting point. And, and I felt that was so important. And actually, I, 
I think I'd been trying to do that all the time I'd been at this really tough school and realised that actually it's so important to interest children. Uh, it, but it's also so important to, uh, for the children to be interested and for us to value their interests and what they say. So consequently, I, I was taken to read more and train more until I became a trainer. Uh, and, I, and I eventually, uh, with both feet, left the classroom and went into a, a life of philosophy for children. Uh, and for the past 12 years, probably, uh, I've been 100% uh, traveling <laughs> the world now, uh, training people in philosophy for children. Uh, so I feel as though I'm, I'm, I'm realizing a dream, really. Wow, a, a literal journey there, yeah. And what dawned on me when you were saying that there and having spoken to my previous guests and obviously Rogers just before is that you know all four guests thus far have had very different ways into the uh, philosophy for children journey as well which uh, you know all, all roads seem to be leading, leading to philosophy uh, with my guests um, uh, so thank you thank you very much and, and and so at what point did you two coalesce then so where does the uh, the link come uh, from obviously Nick, from your 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 training and 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 Roger, you you you, were, you trained in in the US. So how did you two meet? And and could you give us a bit of a uh, uh, an idea of, of of what you do together now? Well, I guess we met uh, about twelve years ago, Nick. If you've been going that, uh, that long as a trainer, no, I had the um, joy of uh, doing a training course with Nick and his colleagues in. Uh, uh, a, a very interesting context, which he might uh, elaborate a bit in a moment. Uh, and um, uh, we've stayed in touch ever since. But to be brief about the coming together in a more significant way, uh, about just over three years ago, uh, I was firstly representing Sapare in Saudi Arabia, who expressed interest in P4C. And then by mutual agreement, I became the leader of the P4C project in Saudi. Now, it wasn't initially called philosophy. Uh, it was called critical thinking. Uh, but on the very morning of uh, my first training of um, teachers in Saudi, uh, we had word from the uh, Ministry of Education that we could actually use the P word. Uh, which somewhat changed my plan for the day, I'd say. But anyway, uh, I did the that. Isn't everything? <laughs> yeah, check the resources and that. Um, but uh, uh, I did that initial uh, training, and the um, Saudis liked what they saw and heard, and so they invited uh, me to develop a uh, a training program, a project uh, for two hundred teachers essentially in the in the life skills area of the Saudi curriculum uh, and and frankly I was a bit daunted by that uh, and needed some help or felt I needed some help so with with the help of Bob House who was and is part of Dialogue Works uh, and former CEO of Sapare and with with Nick as the premier as far as I'm concerned premier <laughs> trainer in the UK uh, we put together that project 
and uh, we've been working together ever since. Uh, I think that's all I need to say about it, Nick. Do you want to just go back to, to Rotherham a moment and then anything else? Well, we, we have to go Saudi a bit Arabia further back. Saudi Rotherham. <laughs> <laughs> yes, quite right. Yeah. Uh, we have to go a bit further than 12 years, actually. I think, it probably Roger. is, I think yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's probably uh, 16 or 17 ah. years. Uh, Roger was my mentor as a trainer in philosophy for children. And he, he attended my first ever philosophy for children training course and, and gave me a very uh, positive reflection on it, which suggested to uh, the accrediting organization that I should continue. <laughs> uh, and I have. Uh, so we, we, go, we go back uh, quite a lot, quite a lot further mm. than uh, uh, just the last 12 years. But the, 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 the project with Dialogue Works was really a, a bit of a turning point for me as well. Because, yeah, I, I have been incredibly busy over these last 12 years of full-time philosophy for children. And, and not, just, not just in training schools. One, one thing that I've found incredibly refreshing is that uh, certainly for those people who think philosophy is a, is a dry subject uh, and only for... Uh, the, the big thinkers, the kind of projects that I've been involved in over the last 12 years has, has really kept my enthusiasm uh, going. So uh, Dialogue Works was one of those. And for the last three and a half years now, since, since developing and designing and delivering the Saudi project, I can't begin to say how many things we've done or developed. Uh, and it's just been a, a huge trajectory for me. Uh, and I think for dialogue works generally. But also things like over, over this time, things like the, uh, the, the project of developing the philosophy show for very young children. Uh, for uh, the BBC in the UK and France Television. Uh, so this was a philosophy show aimed at three to six-year-old children. And it's called What's the Big Idea? And it's, been, it's, it's now, I believe, according to the production company, in about 100 countries around the world and translated into uh, a number of languages. And, and things like this project, which was a huge project to be involved in, uh, really showed me early on in my P4C career that this, this is definitely not something for those articulate older children that can sit in a, in a circle and talk about the meaning of life. Uh, you know, this is for our very young children that actually many of who, in fact, probably all of who, let's say, already possess some of the kind of skills and attributes and dispositions that we wish our older children had. Uh, you know, that's how they learn. I wish I'd got the brain of a five-year-old. 
Uh, I wish my brain now, at the ripe old age that I am, had the, the processing power of a five-year-old's brain. Uh, you know, they've come so far in such a little time. How can we not say that they're critical and creative thinkers? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, so much to unpack there, I think, Nick, in that journey. And, and the first thing I want to uh, just kind of uh, mention is that idea that, you know, it says an awful lot to kind of leave you know, the, the comfort blanket, I guess, that is teaching. I'm not sure it is a comfort blanket, but you know, <laughs> the, the, that kind of, you know, that guaranteed income, doing something, you know, the, 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 the holidays, this, that, and the other, to put all of your eggs, it seemed, in kind of uh, one basket. And I think that that kind of perhaps maybe showed the extent of your belief and the extent of your confidence in the thing that, you know, in the power that P4C actually brought with it. And if it, you know, from the anecdotes that I've, I've heard from people so far, um, everyone seems that seems to have been touched by P for C. Uh, seems to have gone uh, fully become you know been converted as it were. And so this kind of this this twelve year journey of yours, the almost the, the P for C crusade, if I, if I may put it that, um, you know, it it really does seem to underpin your your your, your strong belief and your realization of it, which is what exactly what you just said there. How you know philosophy is not and shouldn't be um, this. This, you know, there's this stigma surrounding the kind of the word philosophy, etc. And if I'm to kind of just paraphrase what you what you've kind of said there in a nutshell, is that you, your 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 mission um, uh, with uh, dialogue works, etc., is to just kind of demystify the misconceptions around philosophy, um, and you know, make it available to the masses because ultimately it's your belief that. Uh, philosophical thought and critical thinking is the um the fundamentals the foundation of effective uh, learning and teaching how do you feel about that does that I, sit roughly uh yeah I, I i i can't disagree with that at all uh, dorian uh, but i think this is this is not something that's a 12-year journey of mine or 12-year full time you know this is two and a half thousand years ago, you know, <laughs> two and a half thousand years ago. Standing on the uh, shoulders of giants. <laughs> absolutely. Mm, you know, mm. and, and Socrates, for example, his belief was ex you know, exactly that, that philosophy should, this kind of thinking shouldn't be for the academics, mm. for the great thinkers. And that's why he spent all his days in the, in the Agora, speaking with the people that walked by. He felt everyone had a duty to be clearer in how they think. Uh, and and to, to think that two and a half thousand years later, we, we have so much to be thankful to so many people at that time. Uh, is a is an is an interesting thought, but but that's that's really what does drive us, I think, in the philosophy for children world, is that this is a message that we're continuing, not a message that we're. Uh, it's not new. Mm. This message, uh, but it, it it sometimes feels as though you you can be swimming against a a, a very big tide. Yes, and I like that suggestion, that kind of Socrates, uh, it was education for the people. And yet over, you know, when you go back um, 
less far in time, education was for the gentry, it was for the for the for the privileged, etc. As well, so we've almost come kind of sort of full well not full circle, but kind of bringing it closer again to to to, to general ad, uh, education and just life in general. Mm-hmm. Can can I agree, um, Dorian? Uh, there there are cycles here mm. of of fashion, uh, and uh, I wanted to link back to that thought about. Um, uh, teachers themselves and uh, how they take to P4C. Sure. Yes. And uh, there's a quote in a video that uh, Sapri certainly shows, and we occasionally show at, um, a, a primary school in East of London, uh, where the teacher uh, says to sort of sum up that P4C has helped her to become the teacher she always wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So you don't actually have to leave the profession uh, <laughs> when you get the P4C bug. You can just absorb the um, lessons, the ethos of P4C, and it will make you a better teacher. And the, that's just one testimony. But the, the, almost every teacher that does P4C says that it has helped help them with their teaching, or sometimes they use the word transformed their teaching. Mm. And that's uh, very that's very powerful indeed and absolutely fascinating um now uh, gentlemen we've li- we've listened um in the last couple of uh, uh, episodes on p4c uh you know the uh, my previous guests idea of or, or they give us a little walkthrough of what a particular p4c experience um uh, looks like i have to be very careful and and now i have learned myself that you know it's not a subject absolutely <laughs> it is not a, it is very much part of pedagogy and that links to exactly what you just said there uh, roger in terms of it being part of a a toolkit or a part of a, a part of something within the toolbox in which uh, to get um uh students to be thinking um and different ways of looking at things so um rather than kind of launch ourselves into a kind of a, a, an, a an experience um could you give us uh nick could you give us an idea of um uh, obviously as a, a for your experience of training i assume that your training involves uh, immersing the trainees in a an experience a p4c experience so could you perhaps maybe in the in the adult or in the training world give us an idea of perhaps maybe what that looks like of course uh train if we if we're taking an example of uh, training a school uh let, let's say we train a whole school in and and they've never been trained before in philosophy for children but they've heard about it and and are interested in it one of the first things we need to do on that is to give teachers an opportunity to engage in a, a community of philosophical inquiry. So we will we'll have a, well, this is the way I typically do it, is I'll have a session for the teachers, not for the teachers to say, well, just imagine what questions uh, a grade two child might come up here we immerse the teachers in the experience of philosophical inquiry so that once we've done that 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 session they can reflect on uh, how it felt for them Uh, so it's it's not an it's not an inquiry that just gives the teachers lots of resources and says do this or do it's an inquiry that looks into looks at 
or allows them to reflect on the experience of being in a yeah in a philosophical inquiry uh, and and the most common reflections on that once we've done that is uh, well did you know that it was going to end up a discussion about this before we started so i get questions uh what 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 plan did you have for this philosophical inquiry uh how did you know that we'd end up talking about artificial intelligence after we looked at this picture book uh how did you know what question we would choose for and of course uh i don't know and that's one of the key key messages here is that we we offer a, a, a thinking and talking point to our children and I do to teachers on training but from thence on it's it's very much uh, that the the facilitator the person leading the session will listen to the interests of the people remember early on I talked about the interests of the children are incredibly important in philosophy for children mm. So I listen to the interests of the teachers and we, we use their ideas, questions, comments uh, to, to uh, give us direction for the rest of the inquiry. So actually it's their interests. So that's very important on, on training to show people what it feels like to be in a philosophical inquiry. Uh, another key key element is is to is to get over the uh, the baggage that the word philosophy brings with it um, and often on training we'll, we'll use uh, a dictionary definition of philosophy uh, and of course it, it's it's the rational investigation of things uh, politics ethics epistemology uh, but then it's also and, and what i find very interesting on training is is uh, it, it's a series a system of principles for example dorian you will have a philosophy you will have a not just a philosophy of education i'm not talking highfalutin principles here you will have a philosophy on food i'm pretty much confident about uh, you may have a philosophy on of sport. Is it the winning or the taking part? Uh, you know, you'll have a philosophy on driving, maybe. You know, am I a get there as fast as I can person, or am I get there as safely as I can person? Yes. Uh, uh, so it's also a, a system of principles, but it's also the attitude. You know, if I said to to my people on my training courses. Who would you say is a philosophical person? I'll give you five seconds to think of anyone you know or know of that's philosophical. And their, their uh, answers are often very revealing. My grandmother, she's my most philosophical. So this helps to break down the barrier of philosophy, the baggage that comes with philosophy. Um, and so once you've broken that, that that's really fascinating really interesting and yes i uh, i i by ex 
explaining that you know it is a rational investigation of things and and, and systems of of of, of uh, principles that does i think very clearly break down that kind of misconception that philosophy is you know people sat around in a circle gazing at their at their navels um but a question that kind of sort of jumped into my head when you were when you were talking about you know as part of the training you're training teachers essentially to be facilitators of discussion um the the the, the tough gig i think you've got there is that there isn't necessarily a kind of a maybe you'll tell me otherwise isn't necessarily a kind of a textbook or framework um for for educators to follow because the discussions which you're which you talk of surely a good discussion you don't really know where it will go um and so what you're actually having to train teachers to do is to be uh, reactive to to you know the ran what might seem as randomosity of of uh, of uh, opinions and views of particular students so um roger what 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 do you say to that so would you agree that that you know it, as nick was saying you know the 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 training focuses on the facilitation and yet because teachers don't have that kind of that 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 tangible textbook to say right how do i you know it's like a, very much like a student a student needs a, a textbook to hug um to feel safe that they've got the knowledge in this and, uh, and build those skills um do you, is there a textbook that exists, I guess? Uh, and if not, how do we kind of um, calm the, uh, or how, how do we make that um, relevant and, and accessible to teachers becoming trained, becoming facilitators? Yeah, well, I don't think there is a textbook. Well, I'm sure there isn't. Right. Um, uh, I want to just go back a moment to a phrase that you used before, uh, around giving teachers a toolkit. And okay. I think um, P4C does do that. Uh, I, I think it does it in various ways, not just the um, process of the community of inquiry, but uh, many devices that are almost unique to the P4C uh, world as to how to develop good thinking. But it, as well as a toolkit, what we're giving the teachers is a mindset uh, and a mindset which has many dimensions, one of them would be that, well, you use the phrase stage on the stage, sage on the stage. Um, I, I think there's a time for sages on the stage, to be honest, but the mindset is that that's uh, as needed by the children and for the purposes of whatever subject that you're teaching. So um, it isn't always the case that children will learn just because you teach mm. uh, and tell them the answer or tell them the knowledge. Uh, the mindset of the philosophical teacher is that uh, understanding, learning and understanding is actually uh, a challenging thing and it's a very individual thing. So what we're trying to do is not just develop students' interests, and the best teachers always do that, of course, interest in their subject, interest in the wider world. Uh, we're trying to develop their capacity to understand. Now, I, I think not enough is made of this in the educational world. There's, there's a lot of talk about a knowledge curriculum, and of course, knowledge is very important, and you discussed that a little bit with um, Andrew last time. Mm. But actually, knowledge in itself is of no value if it's merely repeated, if it's rote knowledge or rote learning. The important step is towards understanding. 
And so the role of the facilitator and teacher, and this amounts to the same, a good teacher is a good facilitator and a good facilitator is a good teacher, is to develop understanding. That's the destination. There may be some zigzagging to be done on the road. Uh, someone might throw in something that's a misunderstanding. And then the good teacher would uh, spend a little time exploring that with the students and saying, well, if you think that, then how, does, how do you explain this or, and so on? And that's in any subject. There are misunderstandings in any subject. So I'm beginning to wax uh, too lyrical here. I just want to throw in one other word that's really important here. Uh, and, and that is that education, again, doesn't pay, I'm talking in very general terms, of course, pay nearly enough attention to the ultimate destination that it should be focused on, which is good judgment. There's a lot of talk about developing knowledge, developing understanding, developing skills. And we're also incidentally interested in developing dispositions and virtues, and we might come back to that. But actually, what's it all for? Why, why are we educating children? <laughs> why do we think this is important? It's because we think that they need to be able to make good judgments in their later lives. Professional judgments, personal judgments, technical judgments. It's the judgment that's important. The knowledge you bring with you, you can access, as Andrew said last time, you can access the knowledge, but can you access the critical thinking, the critical judgment? Only if you've practiced it. And that's what P4C is so good at, practicing good judgment. Sorry, that's almost a, a concluding statement rather than a platform. There you go. No, it's it absolutely, it's a really kind of succinct way, uh, I think, of putting it. And, and it kind of, no, that resonates with me because, yes, it's the idea of, yes, knowledge is important, um, but having that knowledge and applying it, isn't it? So showing mm. that you understand mm. I understand it by applying it uh, in, in different um, settings, in different contexts, you know, shows that you get it, right? So mm. you get it. And, mm. and that idea of practice makes permanence, if you like, or practice mm. makes better, as I uh, sometimes uh, like to say. And, 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 and going, on, going along with that idea of the idea that you have to, you know, to, to, to borrow from, um, is it Dan Willingham's, uh, you know, uh, quote of, uh, memory being the residue of thought, you know, and the idea that, you know, if we're fundamentally looking here at the idea that uh, we are facilitating a discussion to enable uh, us to learn and develop dispositions and judgments. And yet our cognitive architecture is set up in such a way that actually the thinking part is the thing that our brains don't like doing. And that's why, <laughs> why we find it so challenging. And, you know, what we do on a day-to-day -day basis, our default is memory. So whenever we're you know, our, our brains are, you know, we know to make, we don't think hard about how we yeah. make a cup of tea because we've got that automaticity. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the other default, of course, that people are increasingly aware of now is cognitive bias. Mm. Um, as if to say, well, I've already made up my mind about this and uh, I'll just reinforce my existing opinions. And it, it really is difficult to overcome one's own cognitive bias or to deal with other people's cognitive bias. But I come back to the point about judgment. This is like we as a race, as a species, uh, need to make good judgments. More and more we need to make good judgments because matters are becoming critical. Uh, should we be protesting 
in the streets about uh, insulation uh, and how should we protest? I mean, these are, these are the most important issues, some of them that are facing humanity. And mean, meanwhile, in primary classrooms, we're teaching them how to recognize fronted adverbial phrases. Yes. This is crazy. Yes, and there's, a, there's a whole sort of can of worms, I think that you've just kind of pierced the, the, the top of there as well. And we're talking about how we measure the, the, you know, the impact of P4C and the significance of it, which I hopefully, if we can just keep the, uh, keep the tin opener uh, still for a second, we will probably mm. uh, do a few, give that a few more twists in a while. Um, just before we, we need to uh, go into a, a news break just now, but I just wanted to kind of leave something in the, in, in the ether for us to come back to. Um, I mentioned earlier that there isn't a kind of a, a manual, if you like, for us to kind of how to, how to um, uh, facilitate or how to manage a, a PPC discussion. But if only there was a, a, a framework for metacognition, um, things, you know, a, a, a book which gave us a series of tools which we could do to help facilitate a discussion amongst students. If only one of those existed. Um, we'll find out if one of them does actually exist <laughs> after the news. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Tom Hopkins Burke. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio news with Tom Hopkins Burke. A coalition of 118 members of Parliament and Lords has urged Education Secretary Nadim Zahawi to reverse the government's decision to scrap most BTECs. The group sent a letter to Zahawi to support the Protect Student Choice campaign, asking the government to rethink plans outlined in its Level 3 Qualifications Review. The Department for Education has argued that the over 12,000 Level 3 and below courses offers a confusing landscape to young people, as it introduces a twin-track system of A-levels and T-levels from 2023. The DfE has also admitted that defunding these qualifications would hit students from disadvantaged backgrounds the hardest. Children's Commissioner Dame Rachel D'Souza has told the House of Lords that last week's universal credit cut should be reversed to cut child poverty. D'Souza told the Lords that the £20 per week universal credit uplift should be reinstated for families receiving the child component of the benefit. The Commissioner also recommended an auto-enrolment system for free school meals and for children from families with no recourse to public funds to be allowed free school meals on a permanent basis. The Children's Commissioner's Office has revealed that around 70% of vulnerable children are in receipt of free school meals and that well over 4 million UK children live in poverty. A Lincoln Primary School has warned parents against letting their children watch the hit Netflix show Squid Game. Squid Game, which has an age rating of 15, sees hundreds of contestants take part in children's games for a cash prize, but with a literally deadly twist. Sir Francis Hill Community Primary School told parents that some pupils were re-enacting scenes from the show during playtime. The school has called for parents to put parental locks on devices to ban access to shows of this nature for their children. That was your latest Teachers Talk Radio news with Tom Hopkins Burke. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown. Uh, 
Welcome back to Teachers Talk Radio. I am joined by Nick Chandley and Roger Sutcliffe, both of Dialogue Works, uh, and both extremely experienced and extremely impassioned advocates of philosophy for children and indeed philosophy in schools. Uh, before the, the break, we discussed uh, uh, their journeys in education first off and the importance of uh, why we need to intertwine or, 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 or lay down some foundations early on in, 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 in the lives of our students that to, to empower them to be able to think and to be able to build uh, a sense of, of, of compassion and understanding of that world around them. Um, just before uh, we broke for the news there, I, 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 cr I, I crave a, a, a book which can give me, you know, something like 26 different ways in which we can kind of frame a discussion or an argument or, 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 or a debate. So, uh, gentlemen, please put me out of my misery. Does such a thing exist? I'm going to ask Nick to take that on. Uh, I was just going to suggest, Roger, that it should be you that, that uh, <laughs> takes up that battle. How can we in the present company defer to me when we talk about this such a what what kind of book exists that could do that dorian uh so i am going to pass back to roger i, I couldn't it's <laughs> well, very naughty of you nick but look i'll 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 have to be up front and say yes i think it does exist um it's called thinking moves a to z and the a to z is a, a literal a to z beginning with the head and back and so on, but we'll come back to that. Uh, but it's also metaphorical. It's uh, an attempt, and I hope and believe a successful one, to capture all the possible moves or acts of the human brain. Um, it, I, I, I wrote, co-authored it with Jason Buckley, the philosophy man, and Tom Biggleston, his colleague. Um, uh, but uh, I suppose the inspiration was, was mine. I was attending a, a workshop by Art Costa on habits of mind. Uh, I thoroughly recommend that scheme to, to people, uh, talking about mindsets, dispositions, and so on. Uh, but um, I, I was already a little dissatisfied with um, Bloom's taxonomy as, a, as a, an attempt to, if you like, analyze thinking. Um, Art Costa did a good job, but I thought to myself, if someone asked me to list the very fundamental thinking skills or moves, uh, even at that point when I was an experienced trainer, I, I, I thought, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, I, I don't know how to do that. So I set about a journey, which has taken several years to produce uh, a simple scheme to analyze the, the moves of human thinking. And um, all the evidence so far in the two or three years since we've published and been training in it is that it is, uh, and I'm going to use a phrase now that's almost a slogan, it's stunningly simple, but remarkably rich. Uh, and maybe I can hand it over to you now, Nick, to, to say something about that with just one um, further writer from me. Uh, this is a very comprehensive approach to thinking, so it is going beyond uh, just critical thinking and uh, discussion in the classroom. This is about uh, improving our thinking and our thinking about our thinking, hence the subtitle Metacognition Made Simple. 
um, so that it can be of real practical value in everyday life as well as in every lesson. Uh, and uh, um, as I say, I genuinely believe it is, and I think and hope time will prove that. Nick, I will pass it to you now. Thanks, Roger. Uh, I think what you said just at the end there, Roger, is, is something that drives us uh, and, and I'm sure everyone else in the whole philosophy for children world uh, is that uh, we, we don't want to constrict all our endeavours to the classroom whilst you know, we, we talk to teachers every day and speak to teachers every day. We can't see what we do as just another means to try and improve English and maths. Uh, we're, we're in this to help uh, our, our young people in the world to live a better life. So we don't talk about philosophy just in the classroom. I mean, it would be quite ridiculous, wouldn't it, if, if someone came to your school, Dorian, and said, I hear you do some great thinking here. And you said, yes, we do. You should come back on Thursday afternoon, straight after lunch. We do P for C then. I mean, what a ridiculous situation that would be. What about Monday to Friday? But actually, we don't stop at Monday to Friday either. Uh, we go home. Uh, and thinking moves is exactly in the same vein where this is just a wonderful, uh, I, I hesitate to call it a, a tool, uh, a methodology, uh, a way of getting children of all ages to appreciate and understand the different types of thinking that they do in such a simple way. It is stunningly simple. But the reason, we put <laughs> the reason we put remarkably rich in there is because by its very simplicity, uh, it, it could possibly convey a message that it's just 26 words, but it's not. Uh, if we take the first one, think ahead, how many different ways do we think ahead as people, not just as pupils in a class, we think ahead to look forward to something. We think ahead to hope for something. Our wishes and our dreams are a form of thinking ahead. Uh, planning for the next thing to do is a form of looking at if thinking ahead. Uh, so each, each of these 26 words, thought processes, is in effect uh, a sign on a doorway. Uh, you know, enter here to think ahead. And, and then you start to appreciate the richness of the whole methodology. But on training, uh, it, it's absolutely a, a strong message that this is wonderful for the classroom, but it should not stay in the classroom. It should go home. Hence, another one of our signature uh, uh, resources, I guess, or at least approaches of home talk. Uh, we have to we have to encourage people to see that this is not just a way to think better at school; it's to think better as people. 
I love that. And there's a lot of power, I think, in that message as well. Um, uh, whilst, you know, our educational institutions are kind of the um, the, hot, the hotbeds, the, the, the petri dishes almost, there's a kind of a bad way to put it, I suppose. But I just wonder, it was, it was, I was thinking through in my head, like how, where else do students get the opportunity? Where else would they have be afforded the opportunity to be able to kind of uh, develop these, the, the, these thinking moves um, outside of the classroom? So there has, to be, there has to be a kind of a starting point for it, but then the application, as, as you know, to link back to what Roger was saying earlier, happens outside, uh, well, within school, but also outside. You know, you're applying that. Uh, thinking ahead to your life beyond the classroom etc and so it kind of makes makes an incredible amount of sense when it's put like that um love that stunningly simple uh, remarkably rich um that's something i'm definitely uh, sort of underlining because that really does kind of make a, a heck of a lot of sense um uh, dorian some something else you you might uh, um uh, like is uh, if I can just give you one more example from the A to Z, and that's the Z, so that we'll have done from, from A to Z with right. a, a few missing out in between. <laughs> Incidentally, a really important move is to question, and that's the Q in the, in the sketch. Right. But I was uh, ask uh, X is that the book, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the X was the <laughs> one fudge. The, uh, the one fudge, it was to exemplify, but right. that's, a, <laughs> a, that's a very important move in critical yeah. thinking. That's a really important move, yeah. Right. Uh, but uh, no, I was going to say Zoom because uh, I, I increasingly think this is something that uh, should almost be drilled into uh, human beings. Uh, because on the one hand, we have a remarkable capacity for zooming in on detail and we can get completely absorbed in things. And that's a good thing. But at the same time, it's an important thing for us to be able to step back from the detail and keep the big picture in mind and even review the big picture. Uh, a chair of a committee meeting, for example, needs to know when to stay and linger on a particular item in the agenda and when to step back and zoom out. And a teacher needs to know when to do this. They've got a lesson plan. How long do we spend on this? issue, this question, this uh, explanation, uh, and um, when should we move out and, and look at the big picture. So uh, I, I thoroughly commend Zoom to you as, a, as another move. In fact, the more you look into each of the moves, as, as Nick says, the more practical and valuable they become in, in all sorts of ways. And, and of so course, where are you going to zoom now to? <laughs> right, yes, well, I'm going to zoom in to the thinking move of Zoom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and kind of say how, you know, we're, it's something that we're kind of, it's a tool for, for students to be able to, to use um, to think critically. Uh, but actually the point you made there very, very clearly was the idea of timing, when to zoom in, when to zoom mm. out. That's not, mm. so, that, that in itself is a, a, a skill in itself, Absolutely. you know, as a teacher, when that yeah, yeah, yeah. timing right is, is so, can be quite nuanced depending on what the, what the individual situations yeah. are. Um, so I'll, I'll pick off, pick up off of what you you said right at the end there as well is that the idea that the more that you find out about each of them to what extent then are each of the 26 moves things that we already do so that they are already part of pedagogical practice uh, but the book itself is the way of creating the shared language and the shared understanding of those moves so that that we can be more explicit 
in our interactions and our conversations with between students and, and, and teachers and outside. So to what extent are they um, already things that we do? And is that the, 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 the aim really to kind of make sure that there is that kind of um, structure which can be used in, in multiple different contexts? Yeah, you, you, you've got both right, but I'm going to ask Nick to deal with it. <laughs> uh, okay, to what I pass extent- pass all the difficult ones to you, Nick. <laughs> right. To what extent are the, the, the 26 thinking moves uh, already, already used or, or, or done is 100%. How could it be a scheme of uh, all the different types of thinking that we do if they weren't all the different types of thinking that we do. Uh, so, so I've asked a silly question, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. I'd, I'd quite like, I'd quite like to, to put it out there that, that I'm very confident that 100% we do it. Uh, and I'm sure if we, if we played this back, Dorian, we could happily identify the number of thinking moves that we've done. How many times have we looked ahead and thought back you know, in our first part of this session, you asked us, where have we come from? This mm. is thinking back uh, to, you know, to recollect where we came from. But it's not just recollecting where we came from. You also encourage us to reflect on our journey. And that's two different ways that we can think back. You can think back and remember where you put your car keys, but you can reflect on whether or not you felt today went well. Uh, so we do this all the time, but the, what we don't do is we don't know we do it all the time. And until we put a name to things, we, we, we can't really uh, use them effectively. So, so the, the point of it is to put a name to uh, these different thinking processes uh, so that we can we can identify when this is part of the journey of a, of a teacher and a class, uh, for example, using thinking moves. First of all, is to, uh, to know the A to Z, or at least as, as much as they can. But actually, for very young children, I, I've been in classes around the world where it's taken 15 minutes for children to learn the A to Z. Uh, so they know the words but then they focus on one move maybe a week uh, or a couple of moves a week so they get to know them uh, but once they do get to know them then can they identify them in practice can they spot when somebody's using them yes and this is a big part of the teacher's role here because that's what they need to do first of all is identify the the thinking that their children are doing but equally the thinking that they're not doing. Uh, and then once, once teachers and students have got that, then they can start to manage it. And the real power for thinking moves for me is not the 26 moves, ahead, back, connect, divide. It's the combinations of moves, uh, which we call very catchily thinking grooves. Uh, so we, we kind of get into the groove here, Dorian, uh, and just think of the, the huge variety of combinations of moves, and some go very well together, uh, but in, in combinations, 
you end up with a very powerful uh, strategy for a, uh, for approaching particular tasks, for example. Yes, amazing. Um, I love that, the idea that you're building them on top of each other. And that really, I assume the more that you, that you do it, the more complex those kind of, uh, those grooves can become because this, the, the, you, 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 you know, you become more proficient um, at analyzing things and, 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 and putting things together in the talk. Um, and, and that leads itself very nicely onto this question of how, does, how do we then um thread this into our individual subjects so if we're talking about um developing a a, a shared language for thinking and we are practicing uh p4c in the you know, theoretically what does this look like in a maths is, is it the teacher's job then to transplant that thinking into the into their classroom as we said earlier it's it's people see the, the thinking is a a, a tool um, but how i guess what i'm i guess what i'm trying to get at and maybe i might need rescuing here um, but what i'm trying to get at is uh, it's let's say you're a facilitator of, of a p4c discussion um, which can be kind of quite abstract maybe how do you develop the proficiency within your students and then for your students then to be able to use those that those um, skills of those thinking moves in a specific subject so in science for example shall i pass to you roger <laughs> yes okay i'll have a go <laughs> um well let's let's just go back a moment to what nick said which is that these thinking moves are being used uh, very steadily uh, in, in every subject and in almost every sphere of life. So what we're talking about here is becoming clearer in our own minds, both as teachers and as learners, of what moves we are making and, as Nick said, sometimes what moves we're not making that we need to make. So uh, if I focus just immediately on some of the thinking grooves, these, in a sense, are the easy way in to better teaching and learning. Um, so uh, some of them are simply based on the, the uh, two moves of back and keyword. Now, to keyword is simply to identify what was the most important thing that was talked about, thing that was taught, thing we've learned, and so on. And at the end of any lesson, a science lesson, history lesson, or whatever, one would imagine there could be about half a dozen key words, words that the teacher would want to have impressed in the students' minds, but words that are impressed in the students' minds. So what one could do, and you referred to Rosenshine before, so uh, he's very keen, as many um, advisors are, on uh, review, review, review. But if that simply amounted to, well, what did we talk about or what did we learn today? And the students uh, routinely repeat, well, we learned about this because it's on the board, we learned about this and so on. That's just mere repetition rather than active thinking. So what we suggest is a, a thinking groove that goes more like, think back, what were the key words? Now, connect two of the key words. And so the students might actually have to connect a word like, acid and catalyst or whatever. Uh, and then the challenge is simply to explain the connection. 
So we have back, keyword, connect and explain. It's a simple um, groove, but actually it's very powerful in terms of enabling the students to be not just active learners, but active constructors of their own knowledge and understanding. Uh, so that's one example. Another example I'll give you, which is really powerful for almost any situation where students are being asked to process quite complex ideas. Uh, this could be at primary, but it's particularly helpful at, at secondary and at diploma level. So that's keyword and headline. So again, keyword is like you look at a text, and you'd pick out half a dozen keywords. And it's important to emphasize that this should be really keywords. So don't highlight and pick out every other word because you lose the plot. You just want half a dozen keywords that you say, well, this is what it's really about. And then the step next to that is to headline, which is the uh, word in the thinking moves that stands for summarize. Uh, we had another word for S, so we had to find a word for summarize, and headline is the, is the one that captures it, but it yeah. captures it beautifully. Everyone knows what a headline is. It's a thing that expresses the main message. Mm. And so you've got some basic uh, keywords that are your raw material, and then the students have to turn that into, well, what's the headline of the lesson? What's the main message? that you've drawn from this lesson. And students could then talk with each other about that in small groups and come up with, if you like, a composite headline. And that could be tested against other groups and against what the teacher thinks that they've uh, taught. And there might be some interesting disparities between what the teacher thinks the key message is or headline and what the students do. So anyway, look, I'm over elaborating to some extent, but I'm, I'm very keen to say that that uh, not just the grooves, but the moves in general uh, are um, very simple, but they can be used in increasingly sophisticated ways right through education from early years to even at university. We've, we've got teachers being trained in thinking moves now in the UK. Uh, and I just want to say one more thing, if I may, about uh, how teachers of all subjects and at all levels can, if you like, in, in, uh, use not just thinking moves, but the principles of P4C to enhance their teaching. And it goes back to the word that I used before of mindset. The question is, what are we focused on as teachers? Uh, and of course, there may be many things we're focused on or zooming in on, like the test coming up, the exams and so on. Uh, but, and I'm not gonna really make a point about tests and so on, though uh, I have a feeling those are uh, potentially very limiting. I think Andrew shared that with you last week. But uh, Matthew Lippman, as you know, probably, some of your listeners will know who was the, so to speak, originator of P4C, in that very same film I mentioned, Socrates for Six-Year-Olds, said, if we could get education to focus on thinking rather than rote learning, we'd be preparing for a very different kind of world. And do you know, if you were, ever had the uh, opportunity to look at the film, as he spoke those words, in the background was a picture of the Twin Towers pre 9-11. Yeah. And the Twin Towers changed the world as we all know, uh, and is continuing, the influence is continuing. And what the world needs is a focus on really good thinking and good judgment. 
because at whatever level we're talking about, whether it's personal relationships in the family, uh, how to run a school, how to run a company, how to run a, a nation, uh, we need people of good judgment. And I'm putting my neck on the line now. I think in many ways we're falling short as a species. Wow. Okay. That's a very, um, well, a lot, a lot to process there, I think, in, 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 that, in that, what you've just said there, uh, Roger. And, and perhaps maybe thinking moves is one step uh, to, uh, to make up the shortfall, perhaps, of how we are um, falling uh, short as a species. Um, listen, um, you know, perhaps maybe the thinking element, what you've re re referred to there, you know, is the thing that is the one thing that has remained constant since two and a half mm. thousand years ago. So, so maybe thinking is, as you were alluding to there, the, the, the past, the present and the future. You know, P4C itself has been um, around for around 50 odd years. Um, and you've both articulated throughout the show how um, how your journeys have been so kind of uh, influenced by P4C. Um, there have been in education, and, and it reminded me when you said there, lots of fads and lots of trends and lots of lethal mutations which have kind of, you know, resurfaced and uh, over time and done the rounds. But, you know, that idea of critical thought and philosoph philosoph <laughs> I've said it too many times now. <laughs> too many uh, times, yeah. <laughs> philosophy within a philosophical thinking within the classroom mm. seems to be that constant, which is which has has remained. And I absolutely, um, I don't know. Now I'm, I'm I'm completely sold after the conversations I've had with the with the with the the four of you in total. Um, that we have to fit it. We have to. We mm. have to. It has to go in, um, mm. and and I was speaking only to a colleague today, about, you know, in in preparation for today, and in, in, in how much I was looking forward to it, you know, the, the report saying that you know, well, maths and English hasn't improved, even though we've been doing P for C, doesn't matter, absolutely doesn't matter if we can get them, if we can get students to achieve the same grades and do P for C, then mm. we've won, right? Mm. Because we are creating those 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 thinkers and the and those uh, and shaping those dispositions which can't necessarily always be measurable um gentlemen i've been absolutely blown away I've, we've hurtled towards the end really quickly um and and gone and seemed to have burned through that hour um but i do think that on reflection and when we kind of listen back to what everything that we've talked about that there are some absolute gems and some absolute nuggets in there and i just want to thank you both uh, really from the bottom of my heart for giving you for giving us on teachers to talk radio the time uh, uh to share your knowledge your expertise and your passion for p4c um I wonder if there, if it's possible, what we will do is we will put the, the, the links to the thinking moves and any of the other resources that you've referred to. Um, and I'll also put uh, your, uh, your, your Twitter handles or emails, et cetera, on the bottom of those show notes. So if any of our um, listeners would like to find out a little bit more about Dialogue Works and engage with perhaps maybe some of the training or even just finding out a little bit more, we'll put those all in the show notes for our listeners. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. I have really much, in, very much enjoyed this. Um, so many things to think about and so many things to take away. Uh, and once again, I appreciate your time uh, here on Teachers Talk Radio. You're very kind, Damien, Dorian, and you've done a great, uh, uh, a great job. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks ever so much. We, you know, we rely on people like you, actually, uh, and people that listen. Uh, you know you it, it, if you've got a message it needs hearing <laughs>
absolutely thank you so much chaps thank you okay pleasure bye you've been listening to teachers talk radio tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org we look forward to hearing from you next time on teachers talk radio